0: Luke chapter 16, it seems a little bit odd to me that I go to a conference on expository preaching, and for three weeks in a row, I have not been expositing. (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure the Lord has His way, and there will be some expositing done here, but not a great deal, uh, if that's even how you're supposed to say it. But um, the Lord really did lay this on my heart for you. Uh, And so I pray that you would hear the word of the Lord that comes from him to you, from Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into abraham's bosom the rich man also died and he was buried And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Let us pray. Lord, I am thankful for Your calling for me to preach through the life of the Savior. For there are many things that He did in His life that maybe we are uncomfortable talking about, but going through His whole life, we must deal with all of them. And Lord, I admit, when I read this story It was very painful for me to read lord you've given me a gift of empathy and imagination and honestly this story hurts so bad and i know that you wanted it to do that and lord i pray today that it would hurt us all the way that it needs to lord that it would offend that part of us that needs offended it would kill the part of us that needs to die that that new man made after the image of your dear son would live in us and shine bright as the morning sun. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Who are the rich men I want that question rolling around inside of you today okay can you say it with me who are the rich men men? as i was saying in my prayer the story from luke 16 is a very troubling story if you read the story and you read it like hickory dickory dock the mouse ran up the clock if you read it like Uh, there once was a giant. If you read it like a story, you can just walk right through it. But if you really read this story like it's written, this story should cause agony inside of you. This isn't a parable. This isn't a for instance. This is there was, everybody say there was, a certain rich man. In it, we get the glimpse of, Of a truly hopeless situation hopeless steve it's not like the rich man is coming out of hell it's not like Lazarus is going to accomplish anything for him he's past that are you following me to this point in the story of Christ all of the seemingly hopeless situations that we've been introduced to have a resolution that makes our hearts soar. He meets the lame, and what happens? They walk. They are some are tormented by demons, and sickness afflicts them, and they're thrown into the fire. And what happens? He casts them out. They're Seen in their right mind and they're washed and they're healed and they're out proclaiming the gospel. Others still are even dead. Lazarus that had just been raised from the dead had been in the ground four days, rotting, smelling. And yet, still, the story ends with hope and resolution and beauty. As the resurrection, the Christ, the resurrection and the life reaches beyond the grave and pulls him back. His greatness knows no bounds. But then, everybody say, but then. But then we come to these words. The story they tell is horrible beyond belief. And when it starts off horrible beyond belief, it gets worse. And then it ends as hopeless as it started. There's a lot of deep theology to contend with in this story. And we will visit it at another time. But what I felt drawn to today is one very stark aspect in the narrative. And in fact, um, Jeff, I think you're going to find this particularly interesting. You know, not everything in the Bible is so plain, but as I begin to read and try to just Ruminate kind of like, you know a cow that chews its cud. I'm like I need to read back further I need to read for word for and all of a sudden it just started. I started to see something that I would never have ever seen had I not done that That there is a theme that goes on for nine chapters of the Bible and it is not spelled out But it's there and if you go back, you'll see it and you'll be like wow and I hope to hopefully I'm gonna bring that to you right now So let's hear how our text goes and then let's read beyond it and see where it goes There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. Everybody say, This rich man fared sumptuously every day. day. Now, you know, when I read Bible stories and I hear the story about a rich man, I kind of get a thought in my mind, don't you, Steve? You know, there's a saying today in our culture, I've even seen t shirts with this and it says eat the rich. Have you guys ever seen this? Eat the rich. You know, the rich are these evil conglomerates, these giant corporations. They rule over us and we just we're going to bring them down. Right? Yeah, that's that's what our society is doing this. You know, people get out there and they're busting out windows and they're carrying things off and they're just like the rich people, those people that oppress us. We're gonna get those people. And and although I'm not like that, okay, I'm not part of the you know whatever movement that is. But there is something inside of me that goes, yeah, those rich guys are gonna get what they deserve. Is anybody ever feel this way? Anybody ever think about rich guys like that? I do. So we have this rich man. Jesus had been talking about rich men one way or the other, though, for five chapters. And, and uh, Jeff, I noticed this. And I don't know why I'm singling you out, but I, it might, you know, sometimes after the service, Jeff will come up and talk to me. And he'll go, I was trying to figure out where you were going, and this is where I thought you were going. So I'm figuring you're going to like this, Jeff. So for five chapters, he's talking about rich men. Some of these rich men are good rich men, and some of these rich men aren't so good. And uh, one of the rich men... Uh, was a chief ruler of a synagogue the other one was a chief of the pharisees the uh but then we have another rich man you might not think of it this way but if you look at it at the story you'll see the prodigal the father of the prodigal was he a poor man or was he a rich man he's a rich man he owned property and land so much he could give his inheritance before he died he has a signet ring and a robe and gold and he's got servants and i mean what kind of guy is this is this a poor guy or rich guy He's a rich guy, but what was this guy full of? He was full of mercy and love. As much as he was filled with monetary means. In the next few chapters after our text, Jesus will cross the path with two very memorable men who the Bible describes as rich men. That's what their description is about them one who seems like the best sort of man who ends up loving money more than God, and another sort who is by his own admission an unworthy scoundrel, a rich man by hook and by crook whose life will be changed forever by Jesus. And something got into my head and got into my heart, Luke, you know what I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? I think Jesus was preaching a sermon for, for for days I think he I think he was after somebody in what he was doing and I think they were watching I think he knew that salvation was going to come to them, and he was preparing this man's heart, even through what he was doing for chapter after chapter after chapter. It was like a tsunami was headed toward this man at, at deafen, you know deafening speed. It was coming, it was coming to wreak havoc on his life in a good way. It was going to crush the wicked, rich scoundrel that he was. Line by line from chapter 11 to chapter 19. When he meets him, Christ may have been preparing this man's heart. You might say, that, that's silly. Well, Jesus told the story himself what, what the good shepherd does. What does he do when there's just one to go get? What's he do? He goes after him. You might say, he would spend all of that time and do all of those things for just one. Oh, I say, yes, he would. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was the good shepherd. The one who goes to find the sheep. The one who leaves the 99 and goes. And that's all in this part of the Bible. I think that this man may have been all along hearing them and wondering, is he going to come for me? I can't prove it, but I think it could be. He may have been asking himself as he heard the words that Jesus, he may have been saying, who are the rich men he may begin to ask himself what kind of man am I you see this is always a good question to ask yourself and is always a good question that people should be asking themselves when you're spending time with them sometimes we want to be confront we want to confront people but I think sometimes the way that we live and what we extol in the beauty that we go ought to make something burn inside of others that say to themselves Well, what kind of man am I? And I think that question was ringing out inside of some people's hearts. And I know we get to it. It's from 11 to 19. We don't have time to go from 11 to 19, do we? Would you guys like to, would you stay with me all afternoon and let me preach from chapter 11 to chapter 19? I'm telling you, in the end, you'd probably just fall right on the floor. You can't do that. So we're not going to do that. All right. You're going to get your lunch pretty much on time. It's going to be all right. So let's get back to this. Rich man in Luke 16 there was a certain rich man. He was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day Do I have any kids listening to me preaching today? you listen to me? What would it be like to be rich? Anybody you guys ever thought about this To be rich Wouldn't you like to know I would I, I would love to know what it was like to be rich so Jesus tells us all about it. He called this man a rich man, and then he described his life. He said this man is well-dressed. He wears nice, soft fabric in royal colors, and he fared sumptuously every day. Now, I looked up some original Greek on this, fared sumptuously. Benita, do you know that this word sumptuously, it's the only time it's even used in the whole New Testament? Only one time. And you know what It means. It means this guy had good, hot, tasty food every single day. Maybe even more than once in a day. Can you imagine this? Can anyone imagine what this would be like? (laughs) Oh, wait, a few eyebrows just shot up. Now, can any of you imagine what it would be like to have beautiful clothing? Anybody here? Nice clothes. Clothes that, that didn't scratch you. When you put them on, you know, they, they didn't cut into your skin. They weren't, you know, they, wouldn't it be nice if you guys didn't have to wear burlap? Wait, do any of you wear burlap? Titus wears burlap? I'll have to talk to your mom about that. Can you imagine what it would be like? Could you, Rattlers, could you imagine what it would be like to have hot food on your table of different varieties every day. Come on guys, let your imaginations go wild. (laughs) Hard to imagine, or is it hard? It looks like maybe some of you can imagine that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'll ask you again. Who are the rich men? now let's move on to verse 20 there was a certain beggar named Lazarus that was laid at the gate and he was full of sores now when you read this when you're in your devotional time you should read this really fast and don't give a lot of thought to this at all if you can help it okay because if you really think about it it's really too horrible to imagine I'm an imaginative guy I start reading this and I start crying there was a certain beggar, a man named Lazarus, which was laid at a gate full of sores, desiring, he was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and they licked his sores. I'm telling you, every, I, would get, I would read over that again and, and my, eyes, I'd just have to, my eyes would blur up with tears and I couldn't even read. And I'm like, God, I have work to do on this sermon. He was a beggar. Everybody say beggar. Can you imagine what that would be like? Could you imagine that you'd have to go and you'd hold out your hand? Every day, Benita, can you imagine? Hoping somebody would show you compassion. And maybe if they did on that day, maybe you would get something that might be fit for dogs. Wouldn't you hope for... Wouldn't that be... You can probably imagine that, can't you? Laying at another man's gate... Being at that man's gate day in and day out and not receiving compassion from him day after day, what would that do to your soul? Inside you, how, would it, how difficult would it be not for you to hate this man? This table filled with dainties every day. And he just wants just the crumbs that fall. Covered in sores. The dogs that came were not so bad off as to fight for those crumbs, but instead they turned their attention to the man and his sores. Can you imagine that? I don't really think you can. I couldn't. So, in this story, who are you more like? Come on. Oh, somebody say it. Who are the rich men? Oh, my. We're in trouble now, are we not? You see, when we read the stories of the Word of God, oftentimes we project on these people what is not true. We project on ourselves what? That we're poor, that, that we don't have anything, that somehow these rich people... But then when you realize who those rich people are, maybe you might think a little bit different about the story. The rich men live like you. That's who they live like. Now does that mean they were kind and merciless? No, that's not what I'm saying about you. We are the rich men. If you're like me when you read the Bible stories about the rich, I hardly ever think of me. Come on, raise your hand if you had not really thought of yourself as rich. I I, I don't you know why you don't same reason I don't because I'm unthankful and I'm covetous and instead of looking at my own life and seeing that there's nice clothes on my body that I have four cars in my driveway a home enough provisions for ten people every meal Firewood, the beautiful wood stove to watch it burn. Folks, I'm telling you, we're rich people, but we don't know it because we're sinners in it all. And instead of seeing it the way that that it really is, we like to twist it all. Oh Lord, gimme, gimme, gimme! I need more. While the rest of the world lives like this man. You know, I was in Myanmar, and I saw something in Myanmar. I saw this, and I will never get this out of my mind. And I literally, physically, Paul, I collapsed after seeing this. Can you imagine seeing something that would make you collapse? I, I did. I, we were we were at this festival, and there were all these people, and there was more people than I'd really ever seen. There's just like thousands of people, and there's like hundreds and hundreds of of food stands and, and they're, everyone's trying to get you to eat their thing and food and, and there's just everywhere and there's stuff for sale and there's music and there's lights and whatever and the and the crowd was like, an, like a river and there were so many people that you just was kind of like you were getting carried along in the river and as I was walking Jason the, the crowd kind of opened up like this and on the ground was this man and he was laying there and he he had his leg out and and half of his leg was completely burned and it was like liquid ooze was coming out of his leg and it, it was so red and so oozy and so painful and he had taken a candle and put in between his toes so the light would come up so that you could see it and he held a baby in his arms and he laid on the ground and he wouldn't look at you and he had a hand out and I'm telling you when I saw it I was like I, I first, thought, first I wanted to do is I wanted to scoop him up in my arms and maybe take him to the hospital and that's the, the, just seeing him wasn't that wasn't so horrible it's when Pastor Nang told me that this man is so desperate that he burns his own leg on a regular basis because he's so desperate for money he burns it in hopes to create compassion and when I saw that I was just oh I was killed by that Big Val gave me a good example last night. He came and he goes, Dad, he goes, my brothers just, they want me to do everything for them. They want me to be their servant, you know, and I just don't like it. And and they're trying to put me and make me their servant. And someone had put this in his ear, you know. And you know what? That's the kind of thing the devil puts in our ear, right? He's the accuser of the brethren. And unfortunately for Big Val, Dad was working on this message. And uh, so I I turned the full weight of all of the river of the truth that was coming in my heart on to Big Val. Are you you okay, Val? Did it it hurt too bad? I asked Val if he had his own personal driver that drove him places, and he does. You know, Val never has to drive. He sits in the back and he has a driver that drives him. Isn't that kind of cool? I asked him if he had a private cook to cook for his meals and, and to provide them for him. And he, and he, and he goes, I, I do. And I'm like, wow, you know. And, and then I said, Do you have someone who does your laundry for you and goes to the store and buys the food for you and brings it to you on a plate and hands it? He goes, I do. And, and the more I'm telling you, like, hey, you know. I told him that if bad men came to our home and they had guns and they were trying to get to the house, that dad would only have to push a few buttons. And other men would come who are waiting out there for us. They're, they're just waiting at our beck and call. And they would come, and they would have guns, and they would shoot the bad guys maybe if they got there in time and take care of them. <laughs> Big Val, he's, he's starting, his eyebrows are starting to go up. He's starting to feel less poor and and, and less beat down and less trauma. I mean, he's like, there's people out there. I'm like, oh, yeah. I said, if you got in a car accident... And you were so far from the hospital that, and you were really sick. I said, there are men waiting in helicopters who would leave what they're doing. They would get on a helicopter that costs, you know, half a million dollars it is. And they'll fly over and they will pick you up and they will take you to the hospital. And he's like, dad. I'm like, oh, yeah. I used to work for a company that did that. Big Bow started smiling, picturing all of those servants that he had. He was like, he got a big smile across his face. And I asked him if he was more like a rich man than a servant, and he smiled even bigger, and he's like, Yeah, I got all kinds of servants, you know. Big Bow's rich. Everybody say, Big Bow's rich. <laughs> you and I are rich. We are so fortunate. There are few people anywhere in the world as wealthy as we are. And for this we should be thankful, right? Isn't this the week for remembering that? We are the rich men. But the question is, the question Jesus was driving at again and again for eight chapters was, what kind of rich man are you? Now, stay with me. I know. Stay with me. Verse 22, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died also and he was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments and he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame but Abraham said son remember that in thy lifetime thou receivest the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now He is comforted, and thou (laughs) art thou art tormented. You see, this is a story of a poor rich man and a rich poor man. Things looked one way to the human eye, but another to God. Now, it's not always so. There are good rich men and evil poor men, but in this story, the rich man was the one in deep poverty. For the short time he lived on this earth, he had more than he needed, but he had less compassion than a common dog. When I read something Calvin said, I was like, oh, it really hit me, Andy. Calvin said this. He said, the dog saw fit at least to minister to the wounds of Lazarus. But the rich man didn't. Did you hear that? The dog saw to, if you ever have a dog do this for you, you ever ever cut and a dog comes and licks the cut? Dogs can make your cuts better. Now, they really can. Dogs, it's an instinctual thing. Dogs are domesticated. Dogs are a best friend to man. They love us in a way that's kind of unselfish. But this man allowed the man to lay at his gate unheeded. He did not even throw food to the floor for him. He did not call for a doctor. And something I noticed, that even in death and even in hell and even in torment, he's still looking down on Lazarus as an errand boy to go do the thing he wants done. He's in hell for his sin. He's living in torment But yet he's still in hell looking down on Lazarus. Hey, Abraham, could you send Lazarus to go do this thing for me? This is certainly not the kind of rich man any of us should want to be. Amen? Do we look down on others and think they are not worth our time? Do we walk by without noticing them or trying to ease their suffering? We can. Any of us can. Meet a lot of people's needs any of us can ease the sufferings of others The question is do we ask ask yourself that question? Do I do I alleviate anybody's suffering? You see this wasn't a story about a rich man that took advantage of people and mistreated people and and tore down poor people's houses It's about what he did not do And what he didn't do is he didn't have time in his busy schedule to do anything. I mean, how far would he have had to gone to, to the other end of the table to throw the food off? He didn't even have to leave his gate. Right? He showed no compassion. He gave nothing. It wasn't what he did, it is what he did not do. And God calls us as Christians to live lives that are filled with this kind of thing. Doing good. Jesus went about what? Doing good. Good in healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Sin is not only the things that we do, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. God commands us and tells us that how in us even dwells the love of God. If when we see someone that's in need like this and it does not move us. And when I say move us, I'm not saying does it make your belly hurt. I'm saying how move you means you stop what you're doing and you do something else. That's what the story of the Good Samaritan is all about. There was no argument in the story of the Good Samaritan that, that the priest didn't have something better to do. There's no argument that that these, these, these other people weren't on the way to do important and good things, but what they were doing was so important, they could not stop all of their important things and show compassion to others. Do we do that? Is that a part of our lifestyle? You may use the excuse that, well, we never know. They're all a bunch of lazy people who hold up signs on the side of the road or whatever. You know we do pass people and we could alleviate their needs. Now as I said before, there's a lot of talk in the story that we're not going to look at today. But I think for a few minutes here we should ask ourselves, have I ever thought of myself as rich? And if not, you should. You are not understanding this can tempt us to not be thankful. Not seeing our blessings for what they are can lead us to covetousness and complaining. How many how many I want you to listen to yourself from from today For the next two or three days and listen to how much you complain. And something that I learned and I pray that I continue to remember this and live this, that when I complain about what I have, I'm complaining against somebody in particular. Does anybody know who that is? I'm complaining about God. You know what I'm saying, Audrey? I'm saying God hasn't given me what I deserve. And you know what we're saying? We're lifting up ourself in pride. And what we're saying is, is that we deserve better. That's an unthankful way. The Bible says that the unthankful carcasses of our forefathers were left in the wilderness because of their unthankfulness. That they complained and they murmured against God and God smote them. Now you might say, does that mean, you know, believers uh, who are going to heaven are going to have trouble. Do you remember hearing the story of David? David was what? He was a man after god's own heart and he behaved himself worse than the rich man in this story did yet god did what god forgave him there was repentance you see david wasn't past help this rich man was and even though david committed adultery even though david murdered even though david was a rich man even though david wasn't showing compassion in his life but he was living faring sumptuously every day like this man was, God intersected him in his life and reminded him. Remember what we just read? He said, hey, didn't I make you king? Didn't I give you this house? Haven't I, didn't, I, didn't I do all of these things for you? And God said, if you would have needed more, I would have given you more. This is such an amazing thing to me, Luke. You see, God wants all of us, Jeff, to be rich. The blessings of God, I'll read for you in a moment from Proverbs. It's down here at the bottom of my notes. But it says the godliness that comes from the holiness of God, it comes with no sorrow attached to it whatsoever. Isn't that wonderful? There's little worse than those that have so much complaining as if they have so little. Only because they just want more. Haven't you seen this in yourself? God blesses you with good things and... You know, and, and you and you just want something better. Come on, guys, I'll close my eyes so that way I won't have to talk to you about it later on. Come on. It's what, it's what God does with me. God, I see this in myself all the time. God, you know, I'm enjoying this wonderful thing that God has given me, and I'm thinking, you know, the next time it's going to be better. Next time I'm going to get whipped cream and nuts. Next time they're going to give me that long spoon that I really, you know, those short spoons just really irritate me. Don't they do this to you either the shorts? But they, like, they like do something to the inside of my mouth. I need that long spoon is what I need. <laughs> In the chapters following our story, Jesus meets two rich men. Everybody say two rich men. <laughs> In Luke 18, he meets the rich young ruler. He was good. He was righteous. He was a, a kind man. He was easy to love. In fact, it said that Jesus loved him. Does it not say that? But he loved something more. You see, he loved the blessings that he got more than the hand who brought them. And we can live like that too. Perhaps he had heard all of the teaching too. Perhaps he heard the story Jesus told in Luke 16. Perhaps the man he would meet in Luke 19 had been listening too. Luke 18, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? None's good save one that is God. Thou knows the commandments do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father, mother. And what did the rich young ruler say? All these have I kept from my youth. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, You lack one thing. Everybody say, He lacked one thing. Do you, do you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, you know, you can do a lot, but if you don't love people, all that you've done doesn't really amount to anything. So he seemed to really be rich, but he was a poor rich man. Do you see this? He lacked one thing. He lacked the thing. Instead of loving the God that had brought the things to him, he started to love the things. That's why the Bible says, Lay not up self for your treasures where thief can get in, where moth can get in, where rust can destroy but lay them up in heaven. But not only that, God wants to give us treasure here. And we can have it, Tim, if we don't love it. But if we love it more than we love God and others, then we become like the rich man in the story that we hate so much. One thing you lack, sell all you have and distribute it to the poor. Are you starting to see a theme here? It wasn't in what he hadn't done, but it it wasn't in what he had done. He had not committed adultery. He had not lied. He had not dishonored his parents, but it's what he was not doing. One thing do you lack. You don't do anything with what I've given you. You don't take it and give it to those in need. I want you to sell all you have and give it to the poor, and then you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was sorrowful, he said, how hardly can they have riches enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the needle of an eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, then who can be saved? You know what they knew, Steve? They knew they were rich too. You see, they made the mistake that we might make when we read the story. We think the man's sin was that he was rich because we love to hate rich people because we want to be them. That's why we hate them. These men hearing it, they're like, who can go to heaven then? I love what he says. He repeats right back to You like this. He said, things are impossible with men, but not with God. Now, this is what I wrote, so I'm going to read it for you. I can't prove it, but I believe it could be true that the next man Jesus meets has heard all this happening. He heard about the rich young ruler. He heard about what Jesus, about the, about the man who had died. He heard about the prodigal. He heard about the one leaving the night. I think he heard. I think he heard all about it. I believe Jesus may have been preparing his heart as he came. I think it is more likely of many of us today that we might have thought before today he Had thought he was too far gone. He had thought he was too far away. But you know what he kept hearing, Elaine? He thought he was a bad guy and he kept hearing Jesus talk about that with man, things are impossible, but with God, they're not. And you know what started happening inside of him, Jeff? He started thinking, maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can get in on this. He had thought he was too far gone, too much of a sinner, but he was wrong. All things were possible with God today. One of those things could be possible for him. Salvation was a swift train coming and he was going to get on. Luke 19. I'm getting close, guys. I'm getting close. Luke 19.1. I'm serious. If you look at this as a whole thing from Luke 11 to 19, it's incredible. As Jesus entered to Jericho behold there was a man named Zacchaeus he was chief among the publicans and I love the way the Holy Spirit inspired it and he says and he was very rich (laughs) isn't that great he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was of such little stature you see before this day Zacchaeus was a little man in the, I think this is an allegory that God gave him even in his own stature that that here he was tr- Acting like a big important man, but he was really a little man, but on this day He's gonna grow He had heard about the miracles he had heard about the teaching and now faith began to fill him He wanted to see for himself who this Jesus was this Jesus who talked about rich men this Jesus that, that told stories about rich men. This Jesus who even went to rich men. Here he was, a rich man coming. Jesus came to the place. He looked up and he saw him and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at my house. And he made haste and he came down and they received him joyfully. And when they saw it, everyone murmured saying, he was gone to be a guest at the house of a man who is a sinner. They didn't say anything Zacchaeus or Jesus didn't already know. But what he saw is impossible before. Now, Zacchaeus believed maybe he could have. Verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, if half of my goods, he said, I give them to the who? To the poor. How How would Zacchaeus have anticipated this? I think he was hearing the word of the Lord. I think he is becoming what James tells us all of us should be. We should not be forgetful hearers, but what? Doers of the word. Jesus hasn't said anything to him about what he is and what he's been and the sins he's committed. He hasn't called on Zacchaeus to repent. And Zacchaeus, he's coming in his house. And Zacchaeus is like, hold on. I just want you to know right now I'm going to take everything I have and half of it I'm ready to give it to the poor. He's realizing that that repentance is not about a place in the heart only, but it's about what we do. He says, "And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore to him fourfold." Can you see what's happening to Zacchaeus? This is what makes me think he must have heard what Jesus had been teaching. He wanted to do what Jesus was teaching a man ought to do because he didn't want to be like that rich man in that story. He didn't want to be calling out and for Lazarus to dip his finger, to torment the flame, to to bring a a, to cool the torment. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to thy house. And telling you, this this ties it together for as much us also. He is a son of Abraham. So now Abraham has made it back into the story. Abraham, the Abraham that was telling the rich man no, okay, comes into the story. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see what he's doing? He's calling back the messages he was teaching in between these rich men's stories. And I'm telling you, I believe Jesus is bringing it all together, if not for Zacchaeus, for us today. This son of Abraham would be received into Abraham's bosom. This rich man would see not only his father Abraham as the rich man did, but in this instance, he would not be calling to Abraham to send Lazarus. He would be able to sit with Lazarus. I'll end reading a few scriptures for you from... Proverbs 3. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that can't desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches. Everybody say riches. Folks, it's not bad that we're rich. It's bad that we have no compassion. It's bad that we don't know that we're rich. It's bad that we're unthankful and covetous. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retains her. Who are the rich? Everybody say we are. are. What kind of rich man will you be today? I'm asking you. I pray that you will be a thankful one, a kind one, a merciful one, a giving one, knowing that everything that is in your hand came there from God. Proverbs 8.18 says riches and honor are with me and durable riches and righteousness. Proverbs 10.4 says he becometh poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And my favorite, and I want, I want to memorize this one, it says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. You see, it's not the rich. It's not the rich. It's not the money. It's the love of it more than the one who gave it. It's the not seeing ourselves, what we have. We're all, every person in this room is rich, rich, rich. Know it this week. Count your blessings this week. Think about it, talk about it with your children. Talk about the wealth we have and we've been given. And the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. God will require of us one day what we have done with what he has blessed us with, and may we be able to, with joy, stand before the Lord on that day. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for two things today. Well, I don't know, I can narrow it down to two, but. Lord, I thank you for helping me to see myself as rich I have allowed the enemy to make me believe I was poor. I've been very foolish. Lord, I thank you for helping me to see that I can be the relief to so many more in my life. I can meet their needs and love them and that you will continue to bless me. Lord, I'm also glad to, to not feel bad about being rich, that I should be. That anyone that knows you at your right hand, there are riches and blessings that don't have to come of sorrow. Lord, may we lead our children into wealth. May they not be the victims of our foolishness and our poverty. May we build along with that hearts of thanksgiving, hearts of contentment. For as we know, godliness with contentment is great gain. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinet of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.